0: State of economic depression in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created.
1: You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network. The world for people who think.
2: to be able to introduce for the first time ever anywhere the 45th president of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump.
3: And there you have it.
4: That's all we have to say.
3: End of show.
4: <laughs> no, well. not end of show, start of show. Welcome to Behind the Headlines on the Saturday Network. I'm Joe Quinn, and with me this week, as usual, are Neil Bradley. Ivan everyone. Keeley. Hello. And William. Hello, everyone. He doesn't have a surname. <laughs> I'm not authorized to give out his surname, so he'll just have to remain as William.
1: You could give it. All
5: right. William Tell.
1: <laughs> William All Barbe. Right. No,
5: we're, we're only half joking here, right? I mean, Trump's in power. What do they need us for anymore? We just, we we'll just, let, you know, let to it, and everything's gonna be fine, right?
4: Yeah. Monkey no, um We were just talking. Uh, p- before the show started, we were just talking in the chat room where someone uh, mentioned a story that I saw earlier on today. That uh, in Indiana, uh, yes, today I think or yesterday, yesterday, um, a truck spilled thousands and thousands of marbles uh, all over the road on uh, uh, Indiana, an Indiana interstate <clears throat> road, and I thought that was very uh, thirty-eight thousand pounds of them. Yeah, I thought it was kind of rel- uh, very, very uh, symbolic in a certain sense, or. Relevant or appropriate or whatever, because I mean, of course, we're not we're not we're not getting into pattern recognition here, but it's just a funny little coincidence that as a, as a whole, as a certain percentage of America uh, goes a bit bonkers, loses its marbles, effectively, uh, a lot of marbles happen to <laughs> make the news uh, because they got lost, effectively, from the back of a truck. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. So is America losing its marbles? Has it lost its marbles? Or are we dealing with, uh, in reality, are we are we dealing with uh, a minority of people? Is this is, it, is this a is this a countrywide phenomenon that's going on, where everybody seems to be losing the plot, or are we dealing with a small but vocal and well kind of propagandized or publicized minority in the U.S. That's, that's a question. It's hard to tell.
5: And internationally, too. Uh, there were 10,000 yeah. protesters in Sydney, Australia, yeah. protesting Trump's inauguration. Right. Um, were they disappointed that he's now their president? I I don't quite understand how that works. But, yeah, internationally there were protests against this inauguration.
4: Do you know what I find interesting about this as a kind of side side note in a certain sense is that for I mean literally for years for many years I uh, I personally in particular but obviously we we at, at, at Sot.net have been uh, repeatedly trying to point out uh, just as a FYI to anybody who reads our, our website and listens to our radio shows that that America uh, is a dem- is a democracy? America is a is an empire. That we the entire world has been living under an empire, and we've been saying this for ten, fifteen years. Uh, Mar- we live under the American empire. America is an empire, uh, in the same way you know as previous empires. You know, I mean, it, it's effectively a a one world government in that sense. <clears throat> and the reason we were saying this because it was so so obvious to us that that was the case. But you were, there was almost, there was an injunction, has been always an injunction uh, in the media and politicians, uh, amongst amongst politicians, that uh, against ever mentioning the idea that America is an empire. America is just this greatest country in the world, right? You're not allowed to call it an empire. No one recognizes it as an empire. But then um, today, like Neil just mentioned, uh, the past few days, we see people about as far away from America as you can get. let's say um, Western Australia, Uh, there are thousands of people in the streets protesting against the American president getting elected. Um, a a certain man getting elected American president. This is on the other side of the globe and there are protests all over the world uh, in different countries against Trump yesterday Uh, in in Paris. Yeah. So (laughs) if America isn't an empire, why do these people care? Uh, Why does someone on the other side of the planet, um, many people on the other side of the planet feel the need to get out onto the streets and protest about the fact that one country, just one little, little, well, decent sized country, but not even the biggest country, and certainly not a a country uh, with anywhere near the largest number of people, um, elects a president, why would they be protesting that? I mean, do people in Australia protest other countries, prime minister presidents getting elected?
5: No, no, they don't. Um, The answer probably lies somewhere in some of the unconscious narratives and beliefs people hold uh, across borders. Um, We can try and get into them maybe a little later, but maybe we should first scope out what what, what our approach is in in today's show. I mean, there are plenty of others out there in media, I mean, in the alternative media who are, you know, rightfully enjoying this moment and bashing liberals, in quotes, which is really a catch-all phrase for a whole bunch of different types of people. Um, and we are doing that too. We're enjoying it. Um, and we will probably <clears throat> do our share of bashing on the show. But um, we want to go a little bit further than that. I mean, we, we want to just recognize, first of all, that there are a lot of them. How many? We're not sure. Maybe we'll suss out a percentage, roughly, in the course of the show. We also want to understand... That, but, um, between them, they have at least a perspective, if not a group of perspectives. But let's try and understand where they're coming from. Okay, that's that's sort of
4: our goal in this show. Yeah, because we may not, but we're going to try it. Well it's very easy to just dismiss people. Uh, if you're if you disagree with a group of people, you're like taking a kind of team team approach or whatever, or <clears throat> political party approach, you know. <clears throat> People have always divided themselves into you know one camp or another one ideology or another broadly speaking and it's uh it's I don't think it's a common thing for the average person to try and understand where uh, people that oppose them or disagree with them where they're coming from and why they why they hold those views that are so so opposed to the views that that I hold or that the other person holds so uh, we're we know it's easy for on we see on social media there's definitely a separation in the two camps and people are just, um, uh, you tend to only see and only hear, mostly hear about uh, people from your own camp and what what they're saying and how they're laughing at and pointing uh, pointing out the idiocy of of people in the other camp. But uh, that's a bit too simplistic, you know, because, I mean, we can say, yeah, they're idiots, but that's not really an argument. It's not just uh, enough to say, God, someone, yeah, you're stupid. You know, you hold that view and that means you're stupid. Uh, because, by and okay, to a certain extent, some of the people that we're talking about here in the opposing camp, let's say, and we're not really in a camp, let's say, we're just kind of commenting on it, but we are, you know, trying to bring some reason to it, and that does involve us ending up taking one side, but from our perspective, it's the side of, of reason, and we don't hold any particular view uh, in, a, in a very strong uh, or entrenched way, but um, yeah. It's uh, some of these people in the, in, in the <clears throat> let's say, the Hillary supporters and or, uh, or the anti, anti-Trump camp. The never-Trump, let's broaden it, yeah, never-Trump. The, the people who are anti-Trump, basically, uh, they, some of them are quite clearly uh, a bit crazy, a bit unhinged, uh, the way that they've reacted to it. Um, so for those people, I think it's reasonable to say, well, they're just a bit unhinged and leave it at that. But there are other people, and maybe this is the majority of them, are not necessarily crazy people. They're normal people, otherwise normal people, but they hold, uh, they have very strong anti-Trump opinions. And these are people, I'm talking not just about people in the U.S. here, but I'm talking about people in in other countries, in in Western countries, in Europe, and obviously in Australia and different places like that, and in South America, who... um, previously may not have had very strong views one way or the other. They had, if you asked them for an opinion, they'd give you an opinion or whatever, but they wouldn't be the kind of people who would be out in the streets protesting or joining groups or whatever like that. But those, a lot of those people now have suddenly adopted very strong views uh, in terms of being anti-Trump. Mm-hmm. And they seem to know why they have very strong views and they seem to believe that their views are reasoned and re- reasonable views and uh, objective in terms of what they what they dislike about Trump and their fears about a Trump presidency. Uh, so yeah, as Neil was saying, we're going to try and understand that, at least enunciate and give voice to that other uh, side of the that equation of, of the anti-Trump equation, give voice to, their, to why these people are anti-Trump, what they think, and then we'll just look at the best way to figure out whether there's any truth to it is to first of all describe it, define what they think, and then look at whether or not there's any reason, good reason, for people to hold such strong anti-Trump views. So, well, where did we start? Well, let's enunciate <laughs> some of them.
5: Well, Okay, uh, let's go. <laughs> yes, Harrison, go.
3: I'll start with one. Um, now, this this will apply, I think, to a, a subset of the anti-Trumpers, like the never-Trumpers, and these are the, the vocal activist ones, um, and we've seen them in... Well, we saw the most recently at the inauguration in D.C. And at the several of the, if not all, I didn't watch all of them, of the confirmation hearings that were going on for uh, Trump's uh, cabinet member uh, picks, the, the hearings that they were receiving. These are members of various activist groups, one of them being the anti-fascist group, which, um, which is featured on the latest uh, Project Veritas videos where they kind of uh, – you know, did this little sting operation to, to find out what was being planned mm. for the inaugurations. So the anti-fascist group, I don't know a whole lot about them, um, except that they're an organized group, and um, they and others have adopted this um, this slogan, and you can see it in one of the pictures for today's show uh, on a banner, and it is, uh, No Trump, No KKK, No Racist USA. So right. So there's one aspect, and that is that Trump and everyone around him are racists, white supremacists, and essentially indistinguishable from the KKK, if not the exact same thing. And Mm. so you see you have this group who, well, to to, to just narrow it down to this group, who is anti-fascist, who sees Trump as a fascist, who sees the Trump movement as fascist, Trump as the next Hitler, and that means Trump, well, you know, I think we've talked about it before, fascist is like a, a very vague term it has been you know Mm -hmm. ever since the 40s where people say fascist when they really mean something else um we won't get into that but uh
6: so-called anti-fascist let's
4: just let's just define what fascism is in terms of not 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 necessarily obviously you know can vary depending on uh, which era which person or which group you're you're using it to to describe but Mm -hmm. in in general terms fascism i think that this is what is in most people's heads fascism is a a quote-unquote right-wing uh, nationalist, authoritarian, uh, authoritarian, authoritarian slash totalitarian uh, ideology that is um, embodied or you know manifests by through through a government that espouses those kind of nationalist, uh, right wing authoritarian, and usually that means in any given country. Let's, I mean, obviously we have it. It has to be used in in the context of previous so called fascist. Uh, or fascist uh, governments, or you know, governments that that was used against, and obviously um, are used to describe. And that was uh, obviously uh, the best example, or one of the best examples, would be uh, Hitler's Germany. Mm-hmm. And so that's the that's the kind of yardstick, or that's the reference that people use. And obviously, so fascism therefore means kind of Hitler's Germany, which means uh, uh, in the USA or in any country that would mean uh, a government that is kind of you know Germany for Germans. Uh, America for Americans, and and when they would say Americans, for example, if Trump is if Trump is a fascist, he would say America for Americans, i.e., that means white Americans, usually Christ, white Christian Americans, and uh, people probably extend it to mean kind of affluent or the upper classes. So everybody who doesn't fit into those that that, that uh, description or doesn't fit that description is is going to be discriminated against, uh, and and going to be discriminated against in a very often in a violent or kind of pogrom type way. So the vision these people have is that a Trump presidency is going to involve um, effectively pogroms or discrimination of some type, depending on how hysterical you are. It, it'll, it can be uh, less or more violent in that sense, but it's going to be serious discrimination against anybody in America who's not uh, relatively white relatively white, a white, relatively affluent uh, Christian uh, person. Everybody else, you're in big trouble. Uh, That's what they mean by fascists. That's what they seem to to get at. I mean, uh, there's one comment from Facebook here that I got on my Facebook uh, when someone was trying to explain it to me, and they said, I think a lot of genuinely progressive Americans are deeply troubled about what Trump is going to do to their country in terms of race relations, women's rights, minority rights, the environment. Etc. Mm-hmm. So these are the things, uh, race relations, women's rights, minorities rights, and the environment. All of these things are going to suffer horribly under Trump because, well, that's what we now have to, do, have to investigate. Why? Why do they think this? Why do these people, why have these people uh, been possessed by this uh, belief that this is what is going to happen? This is what a Trump administration means for America. <coughs> Where does that come from? Is there any evidence for it? Well, is it simply because he said, you know, he would grab women by the gentles. He likes to grab women by the gentles. Well, uh, on Is the, that all? On the racism That's slash... That's a women's right thing. On the racism
5: sure. slash fascism issue, <clears throat> Trump came out of the gates saying, we're building a wall. Right. No more Mexican illegals. I think he specified Mexicans, but then you know, he know that that to other right. illegals in general. Um, and that right there, the way at least that was presented... By the we can have a separate discussion about what exactly he meant and what how, what exactly might manifest from what he said while campaigning. But certainly the way that was um, filtered through in messages, it event- it eventually hit people's ears as, oh, my God. And it hit us that way, too. Mm. Uh, I'm certainly raising my hand here. Oh, no, no, Those first noises were made by Trump, or at least the noises that were filtered by the media, supposedly coming from Trump, I was thinking the same thing. I was going, okay, here we go. This is it. Fascist Mm. USA is coming. Mm. So I'm not surprised they got that impression. Right. Um, What surprises me is that they haven't. uh, That that hasn't changed. The intensity of it hasn't diminished for them in the way that it has for us and others since what, a year and a half ago?
4: Well, maybe it will. I mean, it's quite intense now because there's a whole fact of him actually being sworn in as president. Oh, my God, it's real. And he's actually um, assumed power. So it's going to be quite intense right now. But you might think that over the course of the next few months, whatever, or year, uh, that people might calm down a bit. That's assuming that he doesn't stop, doesn't start locking up Mexicans and uh, all sorts of other immigrants and putting women back into, you know, throwing them out of their jobs and putting them back into the home barefoot and pregnant to wash the dishes and uh, doesn't start, you know, uh, attending KKK rallies or uh, if he doesn't have a a page on the White House uh, website dedicated to the KKK, stuff like that. Assuming he doesn't do things like that, I, I would assume that they might uh, calm down the thing is this issue that got his,
5: his campaign rolling was so successful to come at it from this angle it was the most spectacular takeover of, a, of a part, any party in the US ever Right? He, he just owned the Republican Party from that moment on I'm saying that in retrospect we didn't realize right. it at the time
4: he went back to traditional Republican values basically which just said them
5: maybe more clearly than said anyone them. since, I don't know, Goldwater or whoever the, right. The, 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 the jobs were in the sixties who were, yeah you know, pro white segregation. So, um, he said them, he said them, <laughs> he, there was no bones about it. I mean, right. he was he's saying like the most on PC things possible. Right. And it was gaining traction with them in the audience. listening to them, not, not the filtered audience via the media but the people listening to him directly now, who were they are they all racist those people who no but they're working class americans essentially who were listening to him mm. many of them either immigrants themselves or descendants of who were saying yes thank you finally so that speaks to a reality on the ground mm. that, that that trump was talking about that he wasn't concocting. This is a bit different than, than the other. The, the main progressive's argument here is I think, Oh yeah, he's playing the, he's playing the, the illegals card. That's what they do. You know, when they want to whip up fear, mm-hmm. IE it, it is little basis in reality. And they're concocting a scary scenario to use fear to therefore win people to their side. That's, but that's actually, ironically, not the case. It, it, it was a reality-based situation mm. where there is serious crime, uh, seriously porous border uh, on the U.S. southern border, uh, w- which has a whole, you know, array of issues coming out of it. One of which was is you know competition for jobs among working class people, especially in southern U.S. states and poorer mm. cities. So, in other words, that struck a chord of people, not because he terrified them and spooked them into voting for him, but because they're they're like, finally someone is recognizing what I see every day.
4: Right. So there seems to be a different, we're talking about two Americas here effectively. And the question then is how many people are in in one America and how many are in the other America? There's the more traditionalist uh, uh, American uh, voter, American citizen uh, who maybe is more likely to be, uh, Lower-paid jobs and uh, have a different experience of life than than the more upwardly mobile middle class, other kind of liberal America, left-wing America, who um, has a different uh, view of life, has a different experience of life to some extent. Um, so, yeah, but the problem here is the problem. I see it as I, as I see it is that there's uh, obviously there's obviously a, there's obviously a, a there's obviously a problem. There a disconnect between uh, mm, large numbers of people in America in terms of the kind of experience of life that they have. But at least, and again, we have to we have to come back to the the, the fact that we've talked about in previous shows in terms of the election, which is that what fifty, many, what percentage, just about fifty percent or so, fifty five percent or something of the population actually voted. So you have almost of the electorate of the yeah, population uh, that could well, vote of the oh yeah of the voting um, those eligible to vote. Um, so half I mean talking adults then so ha- almost half of the adults in America didn't vote at all. Mm. Which and is they awful. obviously have an influence. They obviously have a uh, you know they they have an effect on the American body public. Effectively, they're part of the American population and they don't have an opinion. Maybe they don't care, they don't are not interest in talking about politics. So you know, when discussing these kind of things and, 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 you know, when you're involved in some kind of a Facebook discussion, you're reading Facebook or social media, whatever, and you're trying to get a, an image or a, a feeling for what's actually going on, uh, you have to remember that the people that are actually posting on social media about politics and about Trump are probably only half of the people in, in America that actually, half of the adults in America who actually have a voice. because. Let's assume that all of the people, almost half of the percent, half of the population, adult population, that did not vote, probably aren't going to be actively involved in political kind of, uh, you know, debates. Effect, effectively. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. Let's uh, Harrison or William.
1: another angle. I kind of was noticing uh, even especially with the EU uh, politicians, and um, all of them are pretty scared of uh, Trump's uh, so-called isolationism of, of the U.S. Hey, let's make America great, and the withdrawal from you know NATO and stuff like that. It almost sounds like uh, people are scared of uh, the U.S. withdrawing all its uh, so-called welfare help to all these other countries. And it kind of reminds me of... Uh, of kids losing their parents or something. All of a sudden they're left to their own devices and they don't know how to handle that quite yet. And they're just going kind of crazy. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if Mm -hmm. that has, you know, any kind of implications there.
5: There, there are other privileged people, um, expressing their concerns. Um, I think we're more concerned here with the people bawling their eyes out on the street, or smashing cars or um or, or, or not 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 being so, you know, expressive but simply posting on something on Facebook and saying, you know, I don't like Trump um period. Um you know what I mean? Those people aren't really aware of geopolitics. Um they might be a little I don't think they care that much.
1: No, but I think it um, filters down from from the elites' indecision and indecisiveness, that it probably that that emotion filters down to the people, and they just don't know what what to do. They just have to attack at something, and so.
5: <laughs> okay, but that the, yeah, the, the, this is the and how does that work? I I know what you're saying. Um, I'd I like to begin try and begin though from from the the reasons that ordinary people give. Now, then we, we can maybe bring in uh the big picture stuff after Mm -hmm. uh for what it's worth there's a an analysis done published just today actually on a daily dot um did their their position is pretty clearly anti-trump but in fairness they did attempt to actually understand what it is that makes people dislike them and so they brought together different polls and stuff and um that go back, you know, a year or more even in some cases. Um, One of the main things they are hitting on is that Trump is clownish. That People don't like this characteristic of him, that he's comical, you know, he says things, you know, puts his... Foot in his Foot in mouth. mouth and stuff.
4: Um, it's, it's not, the, it's behavior unbecoming of what they expect a political leader to be, and certainly the president exactly. of the country is meant to be above all that, you know?
5: In fact, they, they have, they, based on several polls, um, you know, serious polls, they extracted seven things that were the things most cited by people as to why they either dislike or actually flat out hate Donald Trump. Um, first one was Trump's privilege. The second one was Trump's lies. Now, as to whether or not any given thing was a lie, either way, they are perceived that Trump lies regularly. He's a liar. Uh, Third was Trump's racism. We've already touched on that. Four was Trump's debt. I think that's, you know, to do with uh, his, his companies and whichever ones went bankrupt at different points in time. Fifth, then, was Trump's views on women. Sixth, uh, Trump's vitriol, which the, the Daily Dot gave it that term, but what they meant by that was the they kind of um, the the way that he comes back at people, and the way it he can often insult them directly, often you know citing um, something about their appearance or something, you know, he you know, can, can have fairly he can he can have lowbrow attacks, you know, so the the, the vehemence with which he will. Pursue an individual or a topic or something, and then their seventh was Trump's ignorance. But this is similar to the thing that was George W. Bush was bashed with, um, where they were saying he's unintelligent, he makes uninformed comments, um, doesn't know much about the world, how mm-hmm. things really work, etc. Um, taken together, all of these things are, are characteristics. Of the person's character, you know? Mm. So it's just like you said, Joe, um, just there, that the, the main thing I'm deducing from is that they dislike Trump because he doesn't meet their expectations.
4: Of a, of a president.
5: Of, of what he ought a presidential
4: person ought to be like. Ought to be like, yeah. So, and then that segues, well, from there they easily segue into, uh, so they effectively see him as not uh not not, not not exactly a diplomat let's say not uh not a polished intellectual who would have <clears throat> along with that kind of um effectively elite kind of status would have the moral so the morality to go along with it and of course uh, there's plenty of evidence uh from his kind of statements things he said or he's been heard to say that he he kind of, you know, he he doesn't have a problem with with. Uh, he doesn't care about exposing the fact that he's just an average human being, at least in terms of the way he talks, what he says. He doesn't care. He sticks his foot in his mouth, that kind of thing. So, not only is does he not have the appearance or the image of a of an elder statesman type thing who would lead a country and people could look up to, but he doesn't care. He doesn't have that image. And in fact, he's quite happy with his image as a bit of a brash, orange faced, right. kind of like uh, you know, a locker room talk kind of guy. Right. And that is all that all of that is just anathema to what you expect, at least in the appearance of one of the leaders of your right. country, the person you're meant to look up to to lead. But here's the problem, and this is where the disconnect from reality comes. And I've I actually posted this on Facebook a couple of times. I mean, it seems that People have a problem. They don't really apply that old adage of never judge a book by its cover. I mean, the appearance seems to be everything to people. <laughs> and they don't, no one, people have not accepted or internalized the idea that we often talk about and have thought about for years about, uh, about, uh, the concept of the, the, the theory of psychopaths and the fact that a psychopath is charming and glib and all these kind of good things. For a very specific purpose, and it's to screw you over to do exactly the opposite of what they claim they will do. Now, arguably, America has had a long string of not only presidents but politicians who fit that profile exactly. Not necessarily that they're that they're uh, psychopaths, but that this deceit is institutionalized in American politics as it is in politics in, in many other countries. where uh, politicians, people who rise into political office and uh, and hold political, political office, know very well that they're meant to say and meant to look the part and say all the right things, say all the best things, say the things that people expect them to say, uh, espouse noble ideals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and as long as you've done that then behind the scenes, uh, you can do whatever the hell you want. And very often what you're doing is corrupt and unethical and immoral uh, uh, things behind the scenes, but you make Uh, every effort necessary to keep that from the people, to give the people what they want, which is simply an image, an image of a moral elder statesman, diplomatic type of person who would be uh, eligible to lead a group of people. You know, basically a a kind of hero figure, someone to look up to, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, a a good, an exceptional uh, human being. And of course, Trump does not fit that profile. Um, Can anyone guess what the flip side of these polls were when they asked people why they liked Trump. Yeah, probably exactly what I was saying, that he is none of those things. He is authentic. Because he's the opposite. Because... Authent- authentic. They, but that suggests... They that laugh,
5: the, they laugh, like the others when he puts his foot in his mouth. But that suggests... But, but they that, also recognize that, oh, well, he was being real. Yeah, he's being role. real.
4: But that suggests the fact that they were a be, uh, that that someone like that being real, even to the point of engaging in the locker room and talking all that kind of stuff, that that's okay because in fact that fits with the idea of him being real. That suggests that it's the percentage of the people in America, of the voters in America, that voted for Trump did so because they have become disenchanted, seriously disenchanted, and to a certain extent are now able to see through and or see what I was just describing there, which is that the politicians, the st- the Washington establishment, establishment. Uh, a political elite, are full, of, are full of it. That they're all appearance and corruption behind it. They're all, appearance, they're all noble appearance and absolute corruption behind it and that the people who voted for for Trump in America are the ones who have come to that conclusion, who have been able to come to that conclusion because they've been watching it, and maybe because they've been feeling it. They've been feeling the effects of that corruption from Washington and amongst the the, the kind of body politic in the U.S., uh, the the fact that they've been enacting and passing. They basically are in it for themselves at, at the expense of the people, and the ones who start to feel it first are the ones at the bottom of the heap. And it's the ones at the bottom of the heap who have been experiencing that and through hard-won experience and suffering effectively, losing jobs, uh, uh, lower paid jobs, uh, all sorts of different uh, social problems, those people through those experiences or those experiences of suffering have allowed them to finally uh, allow the veil to drop from their eyes and see through and see the simple fact that these political this political elite are basically a bunch of lying psychos. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit about us and they just say that they do like obama, like like Clinton, like all of them, say that they do, but behind it they don't, and you know the way we know that they don't actually care behind their words there's no care behind the words, The way we know that these ordinary people know that is because we have felt it. The ones who can still allow themselves, the illusion that these people are you know Obama said such wonderful things, Hillary's such a lovely woman, and all kinds of stuff they're the ones who, who are allow who 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 can still mean, entertain that illusion because they haven't been suffering enough
5: mm mm-hmm. I like that.
4: That makes sense.
3: Well, so it looks like so, so we, where we've come is that for so long we've had politicians that uh, that have the appearance of politicians and the appearance of what uh, right. you know what people think a politician should be. And you've got a group of people who um, who will buy into that every time, no matter what. And then, right. but but more and more people see through it. So now you have Trump, who doesn't give the impression of being a president at all. Well, I wouldn't say at all, but in in a lot of different ways, in a lot yeah. of different circumstances, in the traditional so, ways, yeah, yeah. And so the people that are totally focused on image now uh, are still as focused on image, um, you know, over substance, mm-hmm. and it's oh, um, horrific to them. And yeah, and it's horrific. Whereas they don't seem to consider at least the possibility. That because they have no real awareness or um, they're not used to looking through surface appear- surface appearances to look at reality, they can't consider the possibility that a person who doesn't appear presidential might
4: actually be presidential in what well, he or she actually does. Yeah, not even not even that he's presidential, but that he would at least do uh, some good things mm-hmm. uh, because they have no. People who reject Trump or are anti-Trump uh, can't imagine that because they have no reference for the the thing that we're saying is true, which is that they have no understanding of the the fact that um, that the people who who do appear presidential uh, have been and can be can be and have been doing uh, pretty evil, corrupt. And immoral things behind the scene because they haven 't been affected by them uh, you know so yes yeah, so those people um, they can conceive of of uh it 's not relevant to them the idea that um, it 's not appealing it 's certainly not appealing to them that some just average guy some crude crass billionaire guy would get to be president and talk all this kind of stuff about uh you know uh, bringing jobs back to America and making America great again for the people and giving power back to the people Uh, the Hillary supporters uh, don't see that all they see is power being taken away from them obviously because their candidate lost but also because uh, the power that they felt these Hillary supporters the the power that they felt was in these polished polished, uh, politicians being in power and now they feel disenfranchised and Disempowered uh, because someone like Trump comes along, mm-hmm. well, and the stuff he says is not relevant to them. It means nothing to them. It, it, it you know, it has no meaning for them because when he talks about giving jobs, I mean, when Trump stands up and says, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to uh, make it, you know, bring the bring the bring jobs back to America. If you're a, if you're a lawyer in Washington D.C., do, do you care? Does it mean anything to you? You have a very high-paying job, you know. You're not even a lawyer. If you're just, if you're, if you have a job that's reasonably well-paid, and you've got all of the trappings of modern society, what do you, what do you care about bringing jobs back to America? You, it's not, it's not interesting to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this is why I think one of the one of the big problems was the we suspect a serious fudging of the numbers, and that in fact amongst the voting population in the U.S., probably a much higher percentage voted that there was vote rigging, but it was on behalf of Hillary. And a much higher percentage of people uh, voted for Trump than they say. Probably, let's say something like 60%. But probably, let's say it was a 60-40 split. Uh, If those people had that information, if there had been no vote rigging, as we suspect, and the real numbers came out, then all these liberals... Hillary, Hillary supporting liberals might have more reason to stop and question um, what's really going on in America, you know of course it might not stop them, they might just say well there's just 60% rednecks, you know but uh, the fact that, that they come out and eventually fudge as we suspect fudge these numbers to the point where they actually give Hillary 3 million more votes than Trump in the popular vote, it's just fuel for uh, fuel for these people to, to be screaming and crying when they you know, over marginalization and women's rights and minorities' mm. rights and stuff. When
5: it, it invites them to stay in their illusion that um, the world they knew and still know to bl- and believe to be true is the world where everything is basically fine. Yeah, there's some problems, but we're going to try and fix them. But uh, now this guy's coming in, he's going to wreck it. What's he doing? Everything was basically fine before. Stop. Yeah, and it, it's it so yeah, it involves. I, this is this is another broad brush to hit them all with, but they are basically out of touch with reality to different degrees, though. You got to remember, a lot of these people, um, especially the lifetime kind of activist people. I mean, sure, we can scoff at them and say, "Go and get a real job," <laughs> as people do, mm. but um, a lot of them are very informed. You mm. know, they do read a lot. They, mm-hmm. they have a pretty good idea of what's going on in the world and what the numbers are in the U.S. They know there's 50 million people who need uh, serious welfare assistance, mm-hmm. food stamps and so on. They, they, they know that, and they know people are suffering, at least intellectually. Um, but this, this goes beyond just um, not, them not believing that Trump can actually pull off a rescue operation. They, they do have a predisposed difference of ideology or core ideological beliefs that um, block them from giving Trump a chance. Um, they might call themselves socialists, they might call themselves communists even, they might call themselves anarcho this or that. Um, they're not suffering from ignorance here in this situation. If anything, they're, they're suffering, suffering in quotes, from too much information in a sense that they've got all the theory. They've got enough facts to assess what's actually going on in the world. They have a decent idea of how the world actually works. You know, corporations, trade and the wars. They hated all the wars. They didn't support Obama doing his wars any more than they, might, they would on uh, Trump or Bush or anyone before that. Um, it's like ideology blocks them from seeing something else, from listening closer to Trump, from noticing the incredible, and this is an incredible piece of data that's come out of the last four months, that the entire establishment in the U.S., and we mean here they're really the top dogs, the people who, you know, the the most affluent, not not not, your, not the Trump family, certainly, But, you know, obviously George Soros, uh, Wall Street operators, the people who have the influence to have almost the entire media paint Trump as a Russian agent. Mm. Those are the people I worry about because they're informed enough to know that what's going on vis-a-vis U.S. and Russia in Syria, in Crimea – they know there's funny stuff going on there and they know that it's not as simple as Russia invaded Ukraine or anything like that. Mm. And they will write stuff about it to that effect. They'll they'll bash their own government. They'll bash imperialism. But then when Trump says, "I basically his message is pretty obvious to everyone now. He's saying, I want to stop that. that pattern, it's a decades long pattern. I want to stop that. We focus on, you know, cleaning up our own house first. Something happens in their
4: mind where they just, what, blot it out or miss it mm. or delete it? Well, they only focus on, I mean, maybe you guys, you know, we're we're over the other side of the pond, but uh, Harrison and William, you're you're in the land of the free, you know? Uh, I don't know if you know that, but that's where you live. And, uh, I mean, these things that these people, these uh, anti-Trump Type people, the things that they feel that are going are being threatened by a trump administration I mean uh, here we 're talking about um, you know race relations women 's rights minorities' rights, the environment i mean is is America a place where you know women have Full rights, where race relations are super good, where all minorities uh, are, you know, respected, and the and the environment is uh, is treated very well. Uh, is is America that kind of a utopia, where these people would genuinely feel that they live in in, in, in such a wonderful place that? Uh, there's all there's a very good reason to to be concerned about that kind of perfection or near perfection or uh, being 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 taken down or destroyed or
3: well i
1: think
4: like by by, <laughs> by phrasing it as you by have Trump.
3: i think you've kind of uh, pointed out the the real issue um well i mean it, it is complicated but i think that you could kind of flip it around and say um Are things so bad? Or if you look at the reality, those things aren't very good. You know, they're not perfect. So the idea is that, um, you know, I guess they're, on the one hand, they they have this idea that things will be, will get even worse. But on the other hand, there's this idea that things are good as they are. And the fact that they're afraid of these things from Trump even makes them think, I I think, that things are better than they actually are um, when they're not. So you know I, I haven't really talked to well first of all, we're kind of in um, trumpland more than we are you know so we, we we don't really see a lot of the the protests around where we are and don't really have you know people to talk to to get their perspective you know you'd have to mm. you'd have to go to New York or California or uh mm. you know to um, you know some of the other counties that that voted for Clinton to get. A lot of those ideas but um yeah i don't know um mm. I th- but i think one thing that it comes down to is you mentioned something earlier and that's that the the pc but like politically correct idea and i think i just wanted to bring that up that um a lot of the things that people are so um that seem to be so riled up about when they talk about i mean there's a there's a, a standard list of things that people don't like about Trump and that's his misogyny, racism, transphobia. Um, or is, is there another one? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and the, but if you look at these issues and if you think of Trump as a misogynist, racist, transphobe, we, we made the, the point on SOT various times over the past few months. And that is that if you, if you look at what he's actually said and you, then you look at the degree to which people are freaking out about it and then you imagine what a real racist, misogynist, transphobe would would or could be saying that, uh, mm. you know, if that were to ever happen, I mean, I don't think people would be able to, to even, well, even imagine it happening because it would be so, like, so horrible and over the top. Can you imagine, like, a, a president, you know, getting up and say saying, like, horrible, actual racist things, like, oh, you know, using mm. racist epithets and saying, oh, you know, we're going to run all these people up. You know, if you see him in the streets, you know, just, you know, the, the cops will look the other way. Just beat him up. You know, you know, we're going to I mean, that's the kind of like Hitler and and the, the hardcore Nazis were saying things like that. Like they weren't mm-hmm. they were they weren't they weren't like closet racists. I mean, they just came out right came yeah. right out and said it. And if someone just, and if he were to say, you know, we've got too many women working in, you know, high positions. We're gonna, we're gonna make things right and get women back, you know, in the kitchens and, you know, stop giving them high-paying jobs and, and uh, you know, high CEO positions. And uh, and transphobes, you know, will screw the transvestites. You know, we're gonna get rid of all protections for, for uh, mm-hmm. anyone that's transgendered. And you know, it's it's great that people are, you know, getting behind me because I think you know, transgendered are you know, evil and we should be. You know, beating them up in the streets. I mean, you know, that's racism and transphobia. The tra- the politically correct thing has gotten so that the you know the slightest disagreement with mm. with um, like you know the the mainstream v- view of what it means to be a um, you know a good person who accepts everyone. M- mm. It makes the 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 threshold for taking offense and getting angry like so minimal that. What they're getting angry at is so far removed from the actual, you know, hatred that would actually come out from a person mm-hmm. who's actually evil. They've
4: basically been triggered. Micro yeah. micro microaggressions have been committed against them. Um,
1: yeah. Well, we're maybe uh, uh, we're we're pretty much uh, in the middle of Trump land here, but we do have a special guest <laughs> that. Uh, was recently in california and has an interesting experience he'd like to uh, tell us about
7: hi everyone Excellent. i got kind of nudged in here
3: uh, oh is that dave <laughs> yeah we got we got davo
7: hey dave hey everyone hey dave yeah? so what's going on in california oh geez it's it's the craziest thing i ever seen you know um i was just out there doing some work and i uh, was visiting some uh Old friends of mine, I've known them for like 30 years, and they're really decent people. We basically see eye to eye on most things, right? And, uh, of course, politics came up, and, you know, I, I knew better than go there. I knew they weren't Trump supporters, but the reaction I got, just just being neutral, like, they became extremely angry, like, at me, and, like, I mean, it was really intense. I'd never seen anything like it, like, all critical thought was gone, they, they, they were just reactionary. Like, you could not discuss anything. In the past, we could talk about practically anything. But I've seen this change in them. Like, two or three months ago, things were pretty normal. But now it's not. They're extremely angry. Um, and everybody I encountered in California was the same. You could not mention anything about Trump without them becoming extremely angry, you know, that there was no dialogue, anything. Very strange phenomenon going on.
4: Hmm. So what did they actually, um, I mean, can you give us any quotes of of the kind of things that they said about Trump, or was it just general kind of like it's, he's a... Uh...
7: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, Trump's kind of off-putting, you know, for you know the reasons you've been talking about, but one of the things I said off my friend was... Uh, it was about abortion. She was so afraid right. that women aren't going to have the right for abortion. You know, and I just made a pretty neutral comment. Well, he said he's going to leave it up to the states. Not sure what he's going to do. Oh, she just like lost it. Right. And she's. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. I mean, on and on. They're just they're so afraid that he's just going to, you know, round people up and.
4: Very strange. Yeah, that's. It is very, very strange. We're having trouble putting our finger on it. And maybe we we won't be able to put our finger on it in a sense because um, because it's not something that uh, you can track back to, uh, you know, either you can't track it back to anything that Trump actually said specifically. It's just it seems that these people have just got a feeling uh, from Trump. We've kind of described it in the sense of, okay, he doesn't look presidential, he says rude things, that kind of stuff. and that. But that just seems to be really, really triggering people and making them jump to all sorts of conclusions about what he's like. I mean, he basically, because he's not presidential, because c- he's not a, a smooth, suave Obama, he's kind of the opposite. That basically puts him in the complete crap category where he is capable of absolutely every evil thing possible uh, for a president to do. He's basically a new Hitler. And it's that extremism, that black and white thinking that's... that's um, and the strange yeah. thing about it, and it, uh, I wonder if it's if it hasn't got a lot to do with the media, you know. And of course, we know about media programming, but uh, media programming tends to uh, tends to happen over a fairly long period of time, and it's very subtle, you know, where people will just spend twenty minutes watching an evening news program. Yeah, that, that, uh, And they won't necessarily, you could ask them afterwards, like, what, what, uh, what did you get from that, you know, and can you repeat back to me anything that was said? And you, you won't get much information, you know, just very general stuff. But it seems that that kind of information from authoritative news sources flies in under the radar with people. And there's, there's ideas in there that are slowly forming in people's minds until after a certain period of time of having watched the media uh, that, that's presenting a certain um a certain angle on something a certain you know message that eventually that'll, that'll ferment in people's minds and gestate and eventually a little a little baby belief will be born in their head fully formed you know and they'll give it to you straight is, away and which is a you know quoted verbatim from right. something they heard on the news
5: 4 months earlier
4: <laughs> yeah that's the way it works you know so i'm <laughs> kind of thinking that the media has a big part to play in this we know they've been very much anti trump and pro hillary and stuff and in terms of actually Forming these beliefs in people's minds, you know, because I mean, there's plenty of. I look at some videos I see on, on, on social media and stuff of um, people uh, questioning anti-Trump, anti-Trump uh, activists, whatever. Why you know, marching in 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 Washington and California and different places yesterday, um, asking them why they don't like Trump. And I know these videos maybe be cherry picked to a certain extent and stuff because maybe they pick the worst people. But I'm starting to think that maybe it's not that they're picking the worst people. That this is actually the, most of the, the the responses they get, and most of the responses they get are just, uh, well, they're nonsensical. They, they the, pe- the people asked why you don't like Trump can't actually give a coherent, uh, clear reason why. Yeah, um, that, that, that's even cr- even the few. Uh huh.
7: Oh, yeah, you're correct, 100%. That's what was going on. You know, like, at one point, I went to a coffee shop to have some coffee, and I was reading the San Francisco Chronicle, right, just because it was sitting there on the table. And you can't imagine, like, it's such a left, like, like, completely crazy. Like, the editorials were just way over the top. And that's, you know, that's a mainstream, basic, you know, that's what people read in San Francisco. But, I mean, it was over Mm. the top.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So So it's... um it's it's kind of uh, I think that that's something we have to we have to factor that in that people are being given their beliefs and their opinions from from the media media over a long period of time and and even the ones that can actually give a few reasons because they're a bit more thoughtful and intellectual or whatever about it <clears throat> when they're questioned as to why there's some that would say yes I don't like Trump because he's anti-immigration and anti-women's rights and all this but then when they're asked well can you give me any examples that would uh, back up or, or provide evidence for why you you think that that's going to happen, why you feel that strongly enough to get out in the street and protest. You feel it's so real and so imminent a threat that you should get out in the, uh, in the streets and protest against the possibility that are, are, as far as you're concerned, the reality that Trump is going to uh, clamp down on Im- immigrants' rights and women's rights and minority rights. Can you give me any actual uh, evidence or reason uh, for, for, for your belief that that's really going to happen. And they can't because there is none really. It's just an impression. You know, it's, it's everything that we've said. It's the, it's the look of Trump, the few things he said that are just kind of like locker room talking and, and, uh, also, uh, his, his lack of tact, let's say, and his somewhat, um, you know, kind of, uh, simplistic, oversimplified statements about things, you know, like basically we're going to make America great again, we're going to take back the jobs, I'm going to be the best president ever, that kind of thing. All of that contrives, along with the media programming, to give people this belief, which really has no foundation, no good foundation, that Trump is a is new Hitler. Uh, so it's, it's kind of nonsensical.
7: Yeah, it's true. Like, you know, like my friends, they were, you know, basically they were saying that every Trump supporter is basically a Nazi. And I mean, they're they're lumping in their own parents and you know what I mean? Like, obviously that's not the case, right?
4: Well, mm, yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned California as well, because it seems to me that it's, there's certain kind of hotspots or concentrations of the anti-Trump sentiment and it seems to be uh, in in the big cities in California, let's say, but probably most of California because of what California is, it's very, it's well known and. History and mythology as flakeland basically. You know what I mean? So, uh, <clears throat> I mean, there's a an over, over, over. They're overrepresented with flaky kind of people for some reason. I don't know why. It's probably got a lot of historic reasons for it. But anyway, there's California, and then there's the there's the East Coast big cities. You know, there's uh, New York, Washington DC. I mean, we look at Washington DC and what ninety seven percent of people have voted for. Have voted for ninety two percent. Ninety two percent voted for 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 Clinton. And New York is Hillary was Hillary's. You know. Uh, home ground basically, apparently, even though she's from I don't know where she's from, Marge. Arkansas. She's from Mars, and uh, um, another kind of like East Coast stuff. But then you have most you had most of the kind of heartland of of America in between California and the East Coast of the US. Pretty much was dominant for Trump, you know. Um, so it's interesting that it's in these big urban centers, you know, where you have the anti-Trump sentiment. You know, obviously you have a concentration of people there, but maybe it's, I don't know, maybe there's a hive mind thing going on when you have a city of five or 10 million people, you know, I think, or the media saturation. In the most
5: general sense, um, these areas are where the intelligentsia live. Mm. They will be people in the media, in think tanks and in government, in, They'll be the captains of industry, yeah. managers and corporations, um, academics, teachers. No, maybe not teachers. I'm not sure where they fall into in terms of intelligentsia. But in the, let me try and define intelligentsia for a second. Um, imagine the whole country, the, the whole total population as a sort of one human organism, a human superorganism, okay? <clears throat> the intelligentsia are basically basically the brain cells of the overall, so there are the people that come up with the ideas, not always of course, but that the ideas that need to be put into practice about how to actually manage and do things, and that's, that's why you know some of them end up going to politics, into government, into industry and so on, because they got a knack for it. And they are, like Trump says, they're very smart, they generally are very, very smart. It's not a permanent state of affairs. Human history shows that periodically countries fall, civilizations fall, yada yada. There's a kind of a, a good phase and then it all can go bad very, very wrong, very, very quickly. <clears throat> I think what happens is the intelligentsia in general basically becomes very sick. It's either infected and or it simply carries an infection throughout it. Mm-hmm. And once, if you think about it, once the brain has a serious issue in, in the human body, the rest of the body's in serious trouble. Um,
4: starts reacting.
5: It starts. Well, it starts to react, yeah. The immune system kicks off. And the, the rest of the body, all the other cells have intelligence too. And they'll respond. They'll do what they got to do in response. And that's kind of what's happened here. Hmm. And it's not unique to the US because, of course, these kinds of deep political changes are going on all across the world. Um, But it's maybe quite pronounced given that the U.S. in itself, vis-a-vis the rest of the world, is kind of like the leader or the intelligentsia of the world. So it's a lot more pronounced and it has a lot more weight and reverberation
4: Mm. and impact because it's happening there. Mm. Um, Well, here's my my beef with the anti-Trump people. And and I think... I can kind of sum it up. My problem with the anti-Trump people is that, uh, I'm assuming that given what they're complaining about, they're anti-Trump, obviously, but as we've been discussing what the details of their anti trumpness uh, uh, comprises is that it's, um, it's, it's, the things we mentioned, the kind of race relations and women's rights and minorities rights and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, that suggests to me that these people that are out and virulently anti-Trump and protesting on the streets, they believe that America, the America they know and love and the America they live in embodies all of those things. I.e. It embodies anti-racism, multiculturalism, minority rights, and the freedom to be and do whatever whatever you want, right? Um and they see all that under threat. But the question is, is that, I asked that before, is that deaf description or that that idea of America an accurate description of what America is? Is America anti-racist, uh, multicultural, and pro-minority rights and pro-women's rights and pro-freedom, you know? Uh, apparently, these people who are protesting Trump and feel that all those things are threatened feel that it is, that that is, that's their experience in America. Um... But of course, our big problem with those people is that they seem to be completely myopic or uh, short-sighted in the sense of uh, they only see what's in front of their noses and they don't generally... Clearly, anybody who supports Hillary Clinton has no real awareness of American foreign policy and the involvement she had in American foreign policy. And more specifically, the the effect of American foreign policy over the past 15 years and longer on the demonization of Muslims or the the pitching of Muslims as terrorists. And there's a lot of anti-Muslim sentiment in America, widespread in America, even amongst these people who would be, you know, supposedly pro-Muslim rights or whatever, pro-minority rights. uh, Those people would would not be able to deny, I suspect, that even they would be... uh, a bit nervous or anxious if they saw some guy in Muslim garb walking down the street, they might think, oh, he might be a terrorist. Now, that's, they're discriminating in their own minds against a minority in America, even though they might get up on the stage afterwards and say, you know, I love Muslims. They don't, you know, and the reason they don't is because 20 years of American foreign policy, of going around the world, bombing uh, Muslim countries and launching a war on Muslim terrorism uh, and and subtly and not so subtly increasing that anti-Muslim sentiment in order to justify foreign invasions, supposedly for the benefit of these liberals who live high on the hog to a certain extent because of American exploits in foreign countries or, or, or conquering of, of, of other countries and stealing their resources. Um, that, so, so, I mean, that, that's my problem to a large extent is that, is that uh, Muslims have been demonized as terrorists, by America, primarily by the Hillary, Hillary Clintons and the Obamas uh, of this world and the people that represent them behind the scenes. Those people have done far more than anybody ever could, any, any redneck in the southern states in the U.S. could ever do to, uh, to tarnish the image of that particular minority, Muslims, not only in America but in other countries around the world because of their predatory wars of conquest in Muslim countries so how those people square that well they don't square it because they're totally unaware of that reality they don't know that Hillary Clinton uh, laughed with glee at the slaughter of Gaddafi after she had overseen the destruction of Libya and the slaughter of tens of thousands of Libyans through the use of jihadi terrorists that she was supposedly fighting a war against you know i mean this is all stuff that we're very well aware of and have been aware of for a long time but these people that are anti trump are completely oblivious to so i conclude that they're nuts <laughs> <laughs> for that simple reason that they do not know they do not have the full picture they cannot form an accurate uh, image or an accurate understanding of what a trump presidency means because they do not have all of the information, and they're missing a big part of the information about America itself, what America represents, what it has done around the world, and the influence that has had on Muslims in particular, but also uh, other people, you know, uh, other foreigners, because once you demonize one foreigner, well, then a bunch of others get thrown in with it as well, you know. And, you know, all the efforts of these multiculturalists, uh, notwithstanding, I'm sorry, but uh, no amount of protests are going to change the fact that your government and its war machine has been has been uh, creating Muslim terrorism effectively and creating the image of Muslims as, as terrorists for 20 years. Unless they recognise that fact, then they're they're full of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Muslim characterization has been around since World War Two. I mean, it's it right. was in One popular longer, yeah. uh, Walt Disney cartoons. You know, they're always portrayed as terrorists and beheading with their knives and their swords and stuff. It's, it's been cropping. It's just really since nine 11 really became for a forefront uh, thing, but it's been right. It's been seeded ever since world war two.
4: Yeah. And it's a demonization of the other effectively, which is yeah. very fundamental to, to human, human nature, the tribalism of human nature and to stick with your own tribe, your own skin color, you know, in bad times type of thing, you know, I mean, you imagine in, in a particular situation, uh, you're walking down the street and you're, you're a white guy and you're walking down the street uh, and, you know, it's maybe, it's a bit tense. There's a bit of maybe violence in the air type of thing. On the left side of the street, there's a group of black guys. On the right side, right side of the street, there's a group of white guys. Which side of the street are you going to walk on? You instinctively, we'll do the obvious. As what a black guy or as what a Chinese guy. We separate them into ethnic. These, thing, these are all things that are genetically programmed into people and they're flying below the surface and if, unless you're aware of them then you're you're effectively influenced by them and a victim of them you know so um yeah
3: well but <clears throat> there's there's kind of the way i see it there's there's two extremes and it's really difficult to straddle like between them because on the one hand well i'm reading this book uh, i've been reading this book recently by um this Russian politician Rogozin. He's a deputy prime minister. And he wrote this book called Hawks of Peace, and it's kind of a memoir slash history of the last, you know, his experiences in the last uh, 30 years, you know, just from his early career to, you know, everything post-collapse of the Soviet Union. And he makes this one comment about the the place of Russia and the, the kind of mindset of Russia when it comes to... Um, some of these topics and he talks about uh, like this multiculturalism so he talks about it in terms of cosmopolitanism and chauvinism and he says they're both wrong and so he's uh, and i can see so he's coming from wh- what we'd call in the states you know a conservative uh, perspective and that is that um so anti-multicultural and what he means by that anti as anti-cosmopolitan is that it's incorrect to say or to to hold up the idea that that we live in a multicultural cosmopolitan um, society where everyone is equal everyone gets along and you know everyone's totally um, everyone's cool basically um, and he gives the example of you know he's talking about this in the example of of um, Chechnya and and terrorism and but on the other hand he says that Russia also you know cannot and should not be chauvinist in the way he describes chauvinism is this kind of um, radical, the the type of radical nationalism that you see in like Ukraine mm-hmm. for example or in 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 the in the like extremist muslim groups like we're in Chechnya and are in Chechnya and in Syria like the the you know free Syrian army types and these and these types these are what he'd call chauvinists and so you can see these perspectives from both sides of the the political spectrum where you have the conservatives who are when you go to the extreme length, it's this kind of, um, you know, what what the left sees as total racism where it's like anti-Muslim sentiment and and um, this, this portrayal of all Muslims as the same as these head-chopping um, radical terrorists. And then on the left, you have the extreme uh, that you see, you know, in the left today, which is let's ignore all that and let's get offended if you say anything bad about terrorists where, you know, we're all, you know everyone's everything's great and and we shouldn't be you know saying anything bad about anyone like the middle hmm. ground the middle ground would be to see that okay that's a stereotype but look at Saudi Arabia you know look at ISIS those guys embody the stereotype but you have to just think about it with common sense and with reason to say that yeah these are crazy people and i mean we can make fun of them all we want and point out how evil they are all we want but we have to also take into account that this is just a representative of you know let's say the the elite of a certain country the the mainstream of a certain country like Saudi Arabia or a tiny minority of the the vast muslim population so you can mm. see where where each side has you know a tiny bit of the of a correct perspective but when you take it to the extreme they they become caricatures of themselves where they ignore right. the important aspects that their opposition you know their their enemies are pointing out and and embodying and that's where you get this this total polarization where there's no, uh, no communication and no, um, like negotiation of, of ideas to, to actually get to, uh, right. A common, you know, reasonable idea of, of, you know, reality. And then what we're, what we're going to do about it.
4: Hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, on the, yeah, on the Russia thing, it, I find, I found it interesting that these people, uh, there was somebody at that, Rally in Washington D.C. The women's rally in Washington D.C. yesterday, the five hundred thousand women and whoever else uh, <clears> at <throat> it. There was some guy, an actor, got up, a black guy, uh, and he was talking. I'm sure other others mentioned as well, but he mentioned the fact that you know more or less Trump is not president, and because of the Russian hacking and Russia and 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 that Trump was basically pro pro Putin or pro Russia, you know, uh, at the expense of America, blah blah. So he was repeating this said. Uh, Discredited nonsense that Russia hacked the elections or that uh, there was any dossier, this dossier, you know, supposedly linking Trump to Putin and all this business that was just pure nonsense. This guy apparently didn't care about that. And he and, and I think a lot of them, a lot of the anti-Trumpers uh, hold this view that, that, that Russia is is hacked our election and you need to justify their anti-Trump standpoint, which is, you know, Trump isn't our president. Well, one of the reasons he's not president is because uh, he didn't win the popular vote. Why didn't he win the popular vote? Uh, well, oh, he didn't win the popular vote, but he also he's also not a president because he effectively didn't win the election because the election was uh, compromised by Russia. Uh, so, I mean, what about the Russian minority uh, population or people of Russian extraction in, in, in America? Are their rights not being infringed by that kind of trash talk about Russia and how evil Russia and Putin is? I mean, how can these... Uh, uh, activists for minorities' rights get up there and uh, and use that kind of a slur against Russia and and use it just uh, to you know to, to leverage the anti-Trump sentiment. Uh, you know, so it's it's kind of hypocritical, not only not only hypocritical, but it's also bogus because well, see, it's founded on a lie. There isn't a consistent worldview
5: among them. One person can get up and use the nationalist card that was offered to them by the community intelligence, mm. whatever. Um, this man is a traitor to your country. You cannot vote for him if you love your country mm-hmm. because a traitor. I mean, no one bought it in those terms, but it, it, it obviously instilled enough doubt in people, mm. at least among, among a segment of people, mm. for someone like that was to be able to get up there and use it. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, Point taken. Like, it's absurd. It's it inconsistent with anything else they might say five minutes later. Mm. Um, this, well, this is why we could drive ourselves nuts trying to understand
4: out, you know, exactly where they're coming from. It's madness. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a descent into madness. Those, those marbles that fell on the road, they were in cosmic. A sign from the, from the universe. Uh, but talking about that. Uh, anti-Trump, those anti-Trump rallies yesterday, you know, seven hundred thousand people in California, half a million 200,000 in Chicago 200,000 in New York or something um, mostly women organized it as a, as a women's rights kind of thing um, there's one and we're going to play a clip here just to uh, so talk about it a little bit, a few clips actually uh, of a woman called Ashley Judge she's, a, she's an actress Uh, sorry, is that an an actor? Anyway, she's an actress. She's a female actor. Actress. Anyway, uh, she's a woman and she stars in movies. How's that? Uh, She, I don't want to trigger anybody. Uh, She was in Insurgent and Detergent and Divergent or whatever. She's the evil woman in that movie and she's an actress, whatever. Her name's Ashley Judd, Judd, but she got up and she gave a, she, I think she used the fact that she's memorizes scripts uh, as a movie star to memorize a speech that she wrote herself and she just gave it uh, straight off the cuff. And we're going to play a couple of excerpts from it here just to give you an idea of, so you can think about whether you agree with her or not, give you an idea of what the, the sentiment, what the general uh, attitude is. So, far away there.
0: I am a nasty woman. I'm not as nasty as a man who looks like he bathes in Cheeto dust. A man whose words are a diss track to America. Electoral college sanctioned hate speech contaminating this national anthem. I'm not as nasty as Confederate flags being tattooed across my city. Maybe the South actually is gonna rise again. Maybe for some, it never really fell. Blacks are still in shackles and graves just for being black. Slavery has been reinterpreted as the prison system in front of people who see melanin as animal skin. I am not as nasty as a swastika painted on a pride flag. And I didn't know devils could be resurrected, but I feel Hitler in these streets, a mustache traded for a toupee, Nazis, renamed the cabinet electroconversion therapy, the new gas chamber, shaming the gay out of America, turning rainbows into suicide notes. I am not as nasty as racism, fraud, conflict of interest, homophobia, sexual assault, transphobia, white supremacy, misogyny, ignorance,
4: White privilege on the number two. So, was the first segment? That's, that's all, yeah. Uh, before we go to that, I'll just comment on that. Sure. The, the um, that's um, all the bad stuff, all the social ills brought out, all the troops, blacks and chained and in prison, and you know, anti gay sentiment, and Hitler in the White House, and um. All, all the bad stuff so um, so you can see where <laughs> I mean it's easy to turn around and stand up on a stage and itemize every single ill in, in, a, in a particular society you know and, and hype it up to the point where you're claiming that you know it's you know put it it's an extremist speech that she's making obviously because um, it's it's kind of it's it's interesting because she's saying that all of that stuff is in American society today, hmm. but Trump only only got elected, only became president yesterday. You yeah. know, so how is it all Trump's fault? All of that stuff exists it, in America today and existed over the past eight years under a black president, blacks and cha- and shackles and chains and in prisons and stuff. Uh, so, is she? You know, is it anti-Trump or I mean, is that not Obama's legacy that she's talking about right there? It's confusing. Anyway, go to number two
0: not as nasty as using little girls like Pokemon before their bodies have even developed. I am not as nasty as your own daughter being your favorite sex symbol. Like your wet dreams infused with your own genes, but yeah, I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud, woman. I'm not nasty like the combo of Trump and Pence being served up to me in my voting booth. I'm nasty like the battles my grandmother's fought to get me into that voting booth. I'm nasty like the fight for wage equality. Scarlett Johansson, why were the female actors paid less than half of what the male actors earned last year? See, even when we do go into higher-paying jobs, our wages are still cut with blades, sharpened by testosterone. Why is the work of a black woman and a Hispanic woman worth only 63 and 54 cents of a white man's privileged daughter? This is not a feminist myth. This is inequality so we are not here to be debunked we are here to be respected we are here to be nasty i'm nasty like my blood stains on my bed sheets we don't actually choose if and when to have our periods believe me if we could some of us would we don't like throwing away our favorite pairs of underpants. Tell me, why are pads and tampons still taxed? Ooh, that was a brand name. Why are tampons and pads still taxed when Viagra and Rogaine are not? Is your erection really more than Protecting the sacred, messy part of my womanhood is the blood stain on my jeans more embarrassing than the thinning of your hair.
4: So, who wants to sign up? (laughs) We're taking (laughs) subscriptions. Anybody want to become a member? Um, I don't know. It's hard to uh, hard to comment on that really at all, is it?
1: Well, no, what it's like you, it's like she, you said. It's, what's,
4: your, what's the message? Women's rights and everybody's rights. My. It's extremism, extremist women's rights and extreme, you know. I mean, she talks about, you know, about underpaid act, actresses and stuff, you know, and, 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 and underpaid people, uh, <laughs> uh, Hispanic and, and black uh, women only getting so much mm. compared to uh, the daughter of a white privileged person, but she's the daughter of a white privileged person. She makes millions of dollars every year, you know? I mean, the hypocrisy of it is just kind of like, I mean, she's not the right person to be standing up there talking like a Hollywood actress, you know what I mean? Neither Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson and stuff, you know, uh, to be talking about that kind of stuff. And none of it, You I know, mean, you could all, you could point out the problems with it, but basically her problem, she, she's one of these extreme, and she's an idealist or, a, or an ideologue, let's say, uh, where she anybody can come along in any society and, and identify every single ill and then talk about it in extreme terms and say, and, you know, get a revolution going, you know, but you're just going to wreck things, you know, because you're not accepting the fact that human society isn't perfect. uh, And human beings aren't perfect human beings. She doesn't doesn't know herself. And the main problem here, I think the main message we want want to get across about these anti-Trump supporters is that they have no, not only do they not know about the world in general and and what uh, the American government under Obama and Clinton would have done, Etc. and what the other governments have done under these polished politicians, but they don't even know themselves. They don't even know their own nature, their own human nature. So they're in no position to actually talk about it. These are the last people that should be standing up, talking to millions of people, women or whoever uh, in the world about uh, what to do about social problems. Because to understand social problems, society is made up of human beings, so to understand, uh, to call it a social problem, you're talking about the problem of humanity, problem problem of human beings or problem of human nature. And to to be able to comment on that effectively in a way that could actually have some benefit to the people who are listening or to society in general is... uh, you would have to, first of all, have a very good understanding and a uh, kind of ruthless understanding of human nature, including your own, most specifically, starting with yourself and then understanding other people and understanding how human psychology works and human emotions work, works and all that kind of stuff and how easily people are manipulated by people like her who stand up and very easily just identify all of the ills and get people worked up into a kind of revolutionary fervor uh, to, to the destruction, ultimately, probably, of society or uh, to its detriment, at the very least.
1: Yeah, we have an article that just went up on Satna just a little bit ago. Um, Here's another woman uh, talking about this woman's march. She was ready to put on her pink Nikes and stuff and go out there. But she realized uh, what was really going on that uh, in in her words, she said the march really isn't a woman's march. It's a march for women who are anti-Trump. And then she goes on to expose... Well, who's enabling and and uh, uh, you know having these marches and and getting these people together? And she noted that there was uh, more than fifty partners in the women's march that were tied to George Soros.
4: Mm. the old revolutionist. <laughs> yes, the revolutionary himself.
1: So, uh, so you definitely just, have to have some sort of an enabler to get these people together, to get this anti, you know, right, anti-revolutionary yeah. fervor.
4: Right. Uh, so that's understanding uh, human nature and, and the way society works and these kind of forces in society that would have um, that would have an, uh, uh, a vested interest in maybe fomenting, fomenting some kind of a, a revolution of some description. That's another part of understanding of society and uh, the way it works and who controls it and stuff but these people are completely oblivious to all of that so they're the last people who should be talking about it because they're absolutely uninformed Mm -hmm. or misinformed let's listen to let's forget about the third one from her and let's listen to a little short one from our old friend michael moore
2: say to the people in power you are not going to come to my city and take my mexican brothers and sisters away I will stand in front of you nonviolently and peacefully. The other night I asked 30,000 people in New York City, who will join me to block the George Washington Bridge, the Holland Tunnel and the Lincoln Tunnel if the federal government comes to take our Mexican brothers and sisters away? 30,000 people say I will do it. We've won and then lost we've let this happen twice now in 16 years where we win the white house but they walk through the door do you gonna are you gonna let this happen again in your lifetime i'm not i'm sorry but the old guard of the democratic party has to go it has to go we need new leadership we need young leadership we need women leadership We need people of color. We need gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgender.
4: Yeah, well, that's a perspective. Uh, You want a transgender president? Mm. Uh, I, I, I think
5: Michael Moore should run. Michael Moore for president. Stop talking, do it.
4: These people are just I don't know they're ideologues, basically, and my problem is ideology. Ideology <laughs> is bad because ideology generally speaking throughout history is this idea from generally from one person's mind or a group of people's minds where they think they can apply some kind of uh some kind of solution to society at large, you know. Uh, and it's their own personal ideology they see some problems and then they think i'm going to apply this at large i'm going to i'm going to change society all of the ills of society things that i don't like about society that things that don't resonate within me because you know based on my own kind of illusory image of myself and what i am and what i would like and the reality of my life all of the things are complex things that make up a person if a, such a person gets into or one of those people gets into a position where they have the the ability to kind of uh uh, well they they hold power and they can uh, begin a revolution of some description. They attempt to basically change society for everybody uh, for other people uh so that, effectively so they don 't have to change themselves they 're going to fix society so that it fits with their image. Uh, of what's wrong effectively with themselves or their own suffering or their own problems. They want to fix society. They want to solve their own suffering by, by fixing society. And then they impose that on society with, by some ideology that they get million, hundreds or million, hundreds of thousands or millions of people behind and then go and enforce it by force very often. And they beat heads and shoot people even uh, in the interest of imposing equality on them, forcing them to accept equality forcing them to accept uh, society made up made up of hundreds of millions of people or billions of people uh, that um, is is no longer involves any suffering and I mean we've talked previously about Jordan Peterson in the show and the stuff that he talks about speaks directly to, to these problems and, and I think they really go as, as deep as you can go with it, with these kind of problems uh, is that people these people don't um, a lot of people seem to be unaccepting of the fact that human existence and human experience involve suffering by default. And unless you accept that suffering and accept it willingly uh, and take it on board and accept it as part of human life and then make the best of it and try and do your best despite it, uh, you're going to eventually, when it gets bad enough, let's say when society becomes corrupt enough or the, the leadership of society becomes corrupt enough and society starts to disintegrate from a moral point of view, Uh, you're going to then uh, suffer more and you're going to demand that that suffering be uh, stopped, your own suffering uh, be extinguished, that you no longer suffer, and you're going to then demand that nobody else should suffer as well, but simply from a selfish perspective. And then you go out into society and change it and identify groups who are causing it and you go and you kill people in the interest of wiping out suffering, your own suffering effectively and it's under the banner of some ideology, some broad extremist ideology, and we've just heard in those video, in those audio clips, uh, that kind of an ideology. Um, and that's what happens, and that's why we kind of stand against it, because these people are idiots. They don't know anything about human nature, about human society, about how it works, and about the nature of human existence. And they don't know where the problem comes from. It comes from, uh, pathocracy, effectively, a bunch of psychopaths who have been entrenched in positions of power for decades and who have infected the the, 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 the pu- public body effectively with their ideology, and uh, and I, I don't know what the solution is. I mean, you can go and kill all them. If you're going to go and kill kill anybody, go and kill them. Go, and, you know, you know, do what Madonna said. Get a bunch of those lip to go and blow up the White House and Congress and CIA headquarters, you know, anybody you can identify, uh, you have to identify them correctly as, uh, you know, go and kill George Soros, you know, but uh, imposing this kind of, uh, your own ideology on society and demanding that everybody, uh, adhere to your, your, your pacifist kind of like, uh, sufferingless uh, vision of society. is uh, just, is, is inane and is very dangerous. um, so, I don't know. There's no solution to it. Well,
7: I think one of the, the main problems is you get this extreme ideology and it's this black and white, right, to these, these really complex yeah. issues, right? Like we have to be, right. as humans sit down and have dialogue, hey, it's not so black and white. It's very complex. We need to be able to discuss this, whether we agree. You know, Jordan Patterson talks a lot about that, you know. Until we can get to some kind of place like that, you can see what's going on. It's just getting polarized and, you know, all critical thought
3: is gone. Mm-hmm. Well, I, mean, I, think, it, I think that, um, you know, a few times today in the show we've pointed out that, the, that a lot of these, a lot of the people on the left, for instance, have, um, like they identify real problems. Um, they may exaggerate them to to a large right. degree, but the, but they're real problems. So, I mean, we had the example of like the KKK. I mean, the KKK does exist. It's not a huge problem. It's not a doesn't have a huge membership. I think the last time I read, there's something like an estimated three or five thousand members, you know, official card carrying KKK members in the entire United States. That's a tiny, tiny, you know, population of the right. U.S. When you compare it to the, you know, how big the country Actually, is. So. <clears throat> so there's a there is a i mean arguably a real issue there the problem becomes and well and so if there's a real issue i've you know i have no problem with people let's say demonstrating about it or putting on a protest but um and yeah i guess that's the sign of you know a relatively at least you know somewhat open society where people are actually able to to protest and and demonstrate i mean they're not getting hauled off and uh, given 10 year sentences for um you know anti anti-american sentiment or anything like that but the okay. problem is when it's taken to such an extreme that that then becomes um, either the like the rallying call for for actual policymakers or when these people actually try or succeed in getting into responsible positions of power because we see the problem you brought up Jordan Peterson there's this kind of um, paradox or contradiction where if you identify a problem, um, if you can see the problem, chances are you think that you've got the solution for it, and you know that what you know what'll what will solve the problem. So, with Jordan Peterson, the example—I mean, the the example that he's living right now—is this uh, transgender pronoun thing. And being a university professor um, in a university, there are um, what are human resources? What are they called? The um, the department of well, whatever the people that kind of take care of. Per, uh, teaching personnel and things like that and where they they give classes and seminars on things like this and so for example yeah. they're, well they're pretty much indo- indoctrination lectures well they'll say okay they'll, they'll bring you into a class and explain to you what um you know what bias is and and how you can um or what you should do and what you, how you how you can act in order to you know check your own bias and be respectful to all these other students and the point Jordan Peterson always makes is that this is a totally untested um, you know, um, technique or you know, mode of indoctrination, and in fact, the tests that have been done on it show that it actually makes people mm-hmm. worse. So you give you you give people in these kind of indoctrination lectures, and they'll become more, um, you know, biased against the, these groups in question. So you, you try to to, it, yeah. yeah, they'll they'll react to it and become even more extreme when they weren't even extreme in the first place. So the problem is that people who right. get get up in arms about certain issues don't have the solutions. Like, the solutions have to come from, well, first of all, you need years and years of research to actually find out what the problem is, where the problem is, and the mm-hmm. methods that can be put into place to actually make it better. And that, I mean, that requires, like, patience, intelligence, mm-hmm. um, you know, not not acting out, like, mm-hmm. not, uh, not protesting in the streets. The protesting in the streets can just, can raise an issue, but... It's not a solution, and I think that's the one of the main things that all mm-hmm. all these protesters are missing is that they are not offering any kind of a solution. They're pretty much just venting, and that's it. And then and then they expect mm-hmm. uh, they expect the like that they're venting, and you know if they're going, you know if like Michael Moore says they're going to re- recreate the Democratic Party, that that's actually going to do anything. Well, no. If anything, it would probably make it worse. So, and, and again, that just comes down to the basic ignorance of of people in general that they, they have no idea that, that you know, the world isn't as simple as they see it. It's not as simple as, here's the problem, oh, I've identified the problem, therefore I know the solution and we're going to make everything better again.
4: That's not the way it works. Right, and it's, it's not about them. The problem is that each of these people who are out protesting in the streets think it's all about them. I bet you not one of them actually cares about society in general and the fact that society... That the society that they are part of is an organism that has a kind of life cycle or is, is healthy or unhealthy and that their future uh, is, is tied to the, the kind of greater good in that sense of society, that society. If society isn't functioning well, then they're not going to be having a good time either. So that their primary focus should be on what is good for society and all of its constituent parts. That obviously is a big, big problem. It would take a lot of thought and a lot of consideration, a lot of understanding and knowledge to figure out what, like you were saying, Harrison, the solution to any a, a problem that is afflicting society. But those people don't care, don't even conceive of that. All they care about is their own little petty ideologies and their own their own personal self-interest. But they, all, of course, they, they, they'll present it as something magnanimous and altruistic by, by, by joining a movement. But it's just all of those movements, those activists are just, Individual selfish people who are totally self absorbed in love of themselves walking alone effectively, but given power and given the appearance of, of authority essentially or our consensus because they're in a group and they don't care at all about society and what's good or bad for society. In any real sense, because if they did, they would think a little more before they opened their mouths. Uh yeah. So I think we're gonna have a little quick uh Oh yep. I oh. a quick little Yeah, cop roundup from uh Brent who does our cup roundups every now and again. So I think he's on the line, so let's uh That's let's hear from with Brent with some edifying it. stuff.
6: I you know the law's where's where's oh, right. show, show me the line the We you
1: you don't need more. Yes, you do! Oh.
6: No, they just said they do not have a warrant. Get out of my house unless you have a warrant right now. If you keep smiling at me, like this is some kind of funny thing. Okay,
7: I there's nothing funny about this. Okay, then stop
4: smiling. Wait, wait! I need your hand! Do it! Do it
6: now! Hey, ben. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Interesting discussion. Um, I've been watching with... Uh, Relative entertainment as all this has been unfolding to Trump. Um, but a lot of the stories, um, a lot of these stories about, you know, police state and militarized, militarized police going against citizens is kind of just getting lost in to Um Media seems to be heavily focusing on Trump and everything he's doing. Um, first thing I wanted to talk about was um, what's happening over at Standing Rock. Um, just recently, the council, the um the, basically, the, the governing body of the, uh, the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe basically has now um, decided they kind of want everybody to go home. They want to close down the protest camps. Um, and there's been a number of people who are talking about why this is happening. Some people are uh, suspicious of the council's um, motives because a lot of money has flown into their coffers that's been related to the protesting. And now there's talk of maybe uh, a cash grab. They want to use that money to pay off their debts and they no longer want to, you know, fund this camp. So um, basically the the council has passed, you know, they passed their own little resolution saying that the camp needs to be shut down and everybody needs to go home. And the police, um, now they're actually encouraging police to come in and break up the camp. And last week on, um, you know, uh, Martin Luther King Day, they went in and um, took down a, a TP where there was some, some prayer ritual happening. And, you know, they refused to give the TP back to the, the protesters. Protesters tried to set up another one, and that's when they opened fire with rubber bullets and tear gas. Um, so it's, it's the situation at Standing Rock is still ongoing. The new twist now being that the council seems to be on the side of the, um, the, uh, the police, and they, they want to shut it down. Um, interesting other little bit was that the police there have deployed a missile launcher, like a a quite literal anti-air missile system. Um, and I guess it's to shoot down the the drones that the protesters have been using to shoot video and stuff, but it's just another example of how, you know, militarized the police have become that they're actually, you know, deploying, you know, anti-air missile launchers on American soil to use against, you know, American or the property of American citizens, (laughs) <laughs> um, so that was the latest developments there I'm uh, going to have to keep a close eye on it and see what happens um, some really creepy legislation showing up um, in states around the country in Indianapolis, uh, in Indiana for example um, there's a new bill Senate Bill 285 which is um, is being debated right now. And basically this bill will allow police officers to remove protesters blocking traffic by quote, any means necessary. Um, Mm -hmm. And that includes violence. You know, they could, you know, basically if you have a group of protesters blocking a street, you know, this bill basically makes it legal for cops to, you know, theoretically open fire on, on people just for blocking traffic, you know, no arresting, no (laughs) trial, you just you can get shot, and there's going to be no accountability um, to the police if if you know you're you're standing in traffic when it happens. Um, there was another bill. Uh, this one is in North Dakota, which is you know I guess it's kind of where the the Standing Rock thing is happening. And this bill basically makes it legal for um, drivers if they hit people. Um, you know theoretically, if if it's they say if it's a um, unintentional accident, you know, if they, they don't intend to hit people, but I guess that's going to be very difficult to prove if they hit people with their car, they, um, there's no legal, legal repercussions because they're, they're in the street. And, you know, if you're in the street, you're basically, you know, saying, okay, you know, I might get hit. And so this basically removes all legal repercussions from people who hit protesters that are in the street. Um, blocking traffic has been, you know, a protest tactic going back decades, Um, and it's, it's one of the, you know, few ways it's nonviolent and, you know, it really forces people to, to wake up and pay attention and to see the crackdown on that. It's just another, another slow move towards, you know, really shutting down protesting and opposition. Um, and it's kind of scary. It's basically both these laws make it legal for, you know, people to get killed or, or seriously injured, um, for protesting. Um, There's also been a series of stories where um, mentally ill people, deaf people, um, and the homeless are all getting, you know, the brunt of the police state's actions. Uh, There's a story um, from California, James Hall is 47. He was legally blind, mentally ill, and now he's dead. And their video shows him. Being chased around a convenience store by a cadre of cops—think it was five or six cops plus um, a police dog—and um, this guy was not doing anything illegal. Um, you know, he was—he has a schizoaffective disorder. Basically, it's like a mood disorder, um, and he was hanging out at this this, this food store early morning hours um, back in November of 2015. The video just came out. And somebody called and said they thought, you know, he was he's a, a robber that he was armed. You know, it was the video clearly shows that he was not armed, that he never robbed anybody. And he ran inside the store and ran away when the police, you know, came after him and they released a dog on him. Um, you know, he was huddled in the back of the store, basically like, you know, in fear for his life. And because he was not obeying the police's instructions, you know, you know, lay down, put your hands out, you know, all that stuff, they executed him. They, they unloaded on him, and, and he died as a consequence. Um, there was another video. Uh, this was from a body camera of a police officer in Denver, Colorado. And this, uh, there was a call. These homeless people were supposed supposedly fighting outside of a, a shelter. And the um, officer showed up, and one of the guys was hiding in a bush and the the guy you know was didn't want to come out and so he started to come out very slowly crawling on his hands and knees and the cop deployed his taser on him you know for no reason just shoots him with his taser um and you know the article i was reading about it talks about how this was a, a black man and the cop was ordering him to come out crawling on his hands and knees and you know as if that's not meaning enough you know he he just, he just shot him with a taser you know he's, this is not somebody who's violent it's not somebody who's coming at them with a weapon you know he was literally on his hands and knees and they they shot him with a taser and now he's suing the department for uh, to the tune of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars and you know if that wins that's going to come out of taxpayers uh taxpayer funds not not anything from the from the police um, There's another really sad story about a woman um from St Louis and she was in the process of going to, you know, become a cop, 24-year-old woman. And she was on her way home with some friends. Um, they made a U-turn on the road. And, you know, the, the car, the police thought that they were trying to avoid a checkpoint. So they went over and pulled them over. And they pulled this woman out on the side of the street and did a, you know, a body cavity search, um, which is totally against policy. And they, they went, you know, they, they were basically put a gloved hand, you know, up her inner up in her insides. And it's just unbelievable, the stuff that these poli- the, the police get away with. And they're saying, um, you know, she, she did have some, uh, they, they had marijuana in the car. And I guess that was the, the trigger point that was like, well, we need to be a very, we need to do a thorough search here. Um, but, you know, it's basically you're, you're raping somebody on the side of the street because they had a little pot in the car. I mean, it's it, it's unbelievable that this is the kind of stuff that our police are are doing. You know, it's just it's just really disturbing and crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another another thing about a, a a deaf man who got beat for uh, seven minutes because he couldn't hear. He was legally deaf. This is from Oklahoma City, and police were shouting orders at him, um, and because he couldn't hear it, they they jumped him and beat the crap out of him. <laughs> Uh, This was from January of 2014. And for a long time, the police didn't release the video. The video just came out, which is why the story is just uh, making more rounds. But it it seems again and again, you know, the mentally ill, the disabled, um, women, uh, the elderly are frequently the targets of of abuse. And these are the most vulnerable people in our population. And it's nonstop. They, They are getting the brunt of the abuse because they either cannot follow directions of the police um, or they can't even you know hear or perceive that they're they're you know being directed um, this is another story a, re- a recurring theme that I'm seeing in a lot of these stories is a utter lack of accountability um, and frequently when there is accountability it's targeted towards the whistleblowers these are the people that you know the good cops that are like look this is what happened and we shouldn't we shouldn't be doing it like this well this is a story uh, from Texas. Um, about a uh, cop or a corrections officer who had um, tear gas, a uh, tear gas weapon trained on a, a group of people. And they were not moving. They were nonviolent. They were just kind of standing there in line. And it's not clear why this officer decided to fire the canister, but, you know, like literally it's about 10 feet away. You can watch the video that was released. He shot one of the inmates in the chest with a tear gas canister, and he had to be rushed to the hospital. And, you know, basically the corrections department admitted that a mistake was made, but the individual that um, shot the guy received no disciplinary action. And the whistleblower, the officer who was with him that was shooting the video, when he released that video, he's now facing um, charges of uh, inappropriate use of office material and has a maximum penalty of, of 10 years in jail. And it's, it's the situations like this are so obvious, and it, there's, this is not, you know, what should be happening. But it, again and again, you see instances of whistleblowers getting targeted um, and retaliated against. Uh, it's just, it's really disturbing. Um, there was a video from Massachusetts where uh, three officers beat a man who was in custody. Um, they beat him so bad that all three were fired. Um, and, you know, it's rare that that, that happens. But this was basically a drunk guy who got picked up at Six Flags, and they took him back to uh, to jail. And while he was in jail, they um, didn't like the way he was, you know, shouting at them. You know, loud, drunk, angry guy, you can imagine. And they uh, they charged into the cell that they had him in and, and beat the crap out of him. Um, well, thankfully, all of them were fired. Um, but, you know, if the video hadn't been available, who knows what would have happened. Um. Wow and last couple of stories here this one was from uh Illinois uh, a black man was um pulled over on the side of the road and he was tinkering with his car it's not clear what he was doing but he was somehow working on it and a uh, passerby decided that you know a black guy tinkering with the car he must be trying to steal it so she called 911 reported that you know a black man had stolen the car when in fact it was his own car um and cops pulled him over and um you know, he was, he was concerned because he noticed that somebody was following him. So when the cops, you know, pulled him over, he was like, oh, you know, thank God you're here. Somebody's following me. Not within 10 seconds of getting out of his car and, and, and engaging with the police officers, they tackled him and beat the crap out of him um, because they thought that he was a car thief. Um, and then, you know, eventually while they're, they're out there, they realized that it was his car. You know, they, they got the registration information, his identification um, but that didn't stop them from arresting him and taking him to jail uh, for resisting arrest and disobeying officers because, you know, he was, trying to, uh, he was trying to explain to the officers what was happening, and he also was trying to position himself in front of his car so that he could get on his camera. He had his own dash cam camera. But like any little thing, you know, like, like I said, it was 10 seconds between the time that, you know, he got pulled over and got out of the car before officers tackled him. Uh, somebody kneed him in the chest while he was standing up, punched repeatedly um, and he, this guy had done nothing wrong, you know, and he was you know, originally he was happy to see that they were there because he had been being followed. Um, the last story I have is um, a story from a New York uh, Bronx native who was also a NFL player. He had been traveling to produce this little um, uh, it was like an advertisement a commercial and he got pulled over for uh, a minor moving violation but in the car, somebody noticed, uh, the cops noticed a bag of, of bath salts, like, uh, you know, like uh, Epsom salts. And they were, you know, very clearly marked as, you know, brand name. It was the brand that he was going to be advertising. It's called Soak. And um, they hauled everybody off to jail because they thought the bath salts were, you know, some sort of illegal drugs. Okay. And uh, he eventually sued um, and got a whole bunch. He got a whole bunch of money out of the deal. And, you know, that's, that's just taxpayer money gone down the toilet because cops, it was uh, $35,000 mm. because cops couldn't distinguish between Epsom salts and, you know, illegal drugs. It's mm. like, how, how can these officers be employed, you know, and uh, suspect, you know, th- their job is to identify drugs and you can't tell the right. difference between magnesium chloride and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and actual drugs. Like, it's just, it's just insane. Mm. Um, but yeah, and these are a couple of stories that are just, I've just noticed, you know, kind of getting lost in the the brouhaha of the the Trump presidency. All right. Okay. Thanks, Brent. Yeah, no problem.
4: All right. Thanks for thanks for that, Brent. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Okay. See you. Bye. Okay, take care. All righty. Well, I think we did our best in trying to figure out a very difficult uh, problem, a very complex situation. Um, Somebody can summarize what we said somewhere, (laughs) (laughs) if you remember. We said a bunch of stuff, but somewhere in there is the truth, or a part of it anyway. Um, Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, is the thing, you know, I think things are just going to get worse probably there's no no evidence that things are going to get any better let's say because they've been getting worse for uh, steadily worse for past x number of years so why would we think they're going to get better so um our job is just to to document the event i suppose and try and keep our sanity while all around us are losing theirs um that's our service to whoever is listening so um yeah so thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks to our chatters and to, to Dave, our special guest today, who uh, brought us a report from California. Um, we will be back next week with another show to be announced. Until then, have a good evening, everybody.
3: All right, everyone, take care.
1: Goodbye. Dios.
4: Yeah.